It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Amy Stewart is the award-winning author of six books on the perils and pleasures of the natural world, including three New York Times bestsellers, Wicked Bugs, Wicked Plants, and Flower Confidential. She's the co-founder of the popular blog Garden Rant and a contributing editor at Fine Gardening Magazine. She and her husband, Scott Brown, live in Eureka, California, where they own an antiquarian bookstore called Eureka Books. And she's joining us today to talk about her latest book, The Drunken Botanist, The Plant that create the world's great drinks. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Well, I love all the names of your other books as well. Wicked Bugs, Wicked Plants. It's just fantastic. And what made you decide to combine cocktail culture and the plant world? Well, uh, like many ideas, good and bad, uh, this one started in a bar. <laughs> I was uh, I was talking with a friend of mine about gin, and he he, sa- he said he he really wasn't much of a gin drinker. And I said, well, how can you not be interested in gin if you're interested in plants? Because there are so many strange and diverse and interesting plants in this bottle. Um, and then I start looking around at all the other bottles, and I said, you know, really, if you think about it, there's nothing but liquefied plants in all of these, and isn't that interesting? So once I got to thinking about it, I thought, you know, it would really be interesting to look at it from the point of view of the plants themselves. Oh, and, uh, yeah. So that's what I did. That is interesting, and it's funny because I wouldn't sit there and have that thought process at all. However, when I take a whiff of a good gin, it certainly is botanic. Right, right. But it's interesting, you know, some of the the things they talk about these days to talk to your kids about, like, where did the food, who touched this food before it got to our table so that kids have more of an understanding of food. It's the same thing about those plants to realize, I mean, the, the alcohol, it never occurred to me to think, where did this begin? What plants contributed to it? That's a fascinating concept. So yeah, exactly. As you did your research, any long forgotten botanicals that you came across? Well, sure. There's, there are all kinds. You know, the thing is that we have been putting plants into alcohol for as long as we've known how to make alcohol. And in the case of distilled spirits, um, you know, we've been doing that since about 800 A.D. Wow. And certainly we've been making beer and wine or something like beer and wine for, you know, 10,000 years that we know of. And it may well be that we'll turn up evidence that that was happening even earlier than that. So it really is pretty amazing the things that have gone into um, spirits in that time. Everything from saffron being used as a bittering agent in really early beers to um, pine resin being used to preserve wine in the in the Greek uh, in, in the Greek days. Hmm. So so yeah, there are all kinds of strange plants that we have used. That's amazing. Well, you know, I, I just flipped open the book and, and landed on the page, A Field Guide to Sugarcane Spirits. And so not only is it a old, I mean, as, as old as mankind making spirits, but then things like sugarcane, some some savvy farmer was like, well, boy, I can do lots of great stuff with this. And I'm, I'm just taking a quick look at all of the sugarcane spirits. Who knew? Right, sure. Uh, you know, um, sugarcane uh, has turned up all over the world. It was Christopher Columbus who brought it to um, the Caribbean. We think of it as being Caribbean, but, you know, it's really sort of a newcomer there. Um, but but everywhere that sugarcane has been used as a source of sugar, people figured out how to make alcohol out of it, whether it's the molasses, you know, which is the, just the byproduct of making crystallized sugar, 
uh, molasses being used to make rum, or even just freshly squeezing the stalks to get fresh sugarcane juice, um, which is how they make uh, like cachaça in, in Brazil, for example. Mm-hmm, which I love. That makes a great sort of alternative to a mojito. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, sugarcane, of course, is very interesting in the spirits. One thing that I've seen it used recently and sort of need is to cut into little sticks to be stir sticks for your drink. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I was in uh, I was in Miami, and I ordered a mojito, and it, it came with a little piece of sugar cane, and I thought, oh, I have to grow my own sugar cane and do this. Wouldn't that be but, cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to live in the right climate, though, to grow sugar cane, that's for sure. But, of course, I can understand how sugar cane would taste great turned into a spirit of some sort, but are there any plants that you encountered that don't taste great on their own, but once they've been transformed are fantastic? Well, um, yeah, definitely. You know, there are a lot of plants that are used to add um, a bitter note that you would not want to drink on your own because it would be too horribly bitter. But when you um, when you add them to a spirit in combination with other plants, they're really quite nice. So you think about aloe, for example. Um, most people don't really realize how bitter aloe is because the bitter component is removed before you make aloe juice, which, you know, maybe you've had aloe juice to drink. Um, but, but it really is quite bitter, but it's used in Fernet Branca and, and a lot of other Italian uh, digestifs to add just a little touch of bitterness. And even wormwood, Artemisia absinthum, which is, you know, used in absinthe. Yeah. That's not something you'd want you'd to use on your own in, in any way. <laughs> Exactly. It's a really powerful flavor. But blended with other things, uh, it's it's nice. And, you know, that whole story of absinthe and it being banned in the U.S. and all of that, was, was Wormwood, wasn't it thought to be uh, some kind of a psychedelic or something? But it really isn't, is it? No, it really isn't. Uh, there is a, uh, a compound in Wormwood called Thujone that uh, at very, very high doses could cause seizures. But it ends up in nothing like that high a dose in a in a glass of absinthe. Um, in fact, there's more thujone in ordinary garden sage that you might use, you know, at Thanksgiving to stuff a turkey than than there is in wormwood. Isn't that so funny? So the, the real problem with absinthe was always very high alcohol content. Right, <laughs> releasing people, the green fairy or whatever it was called. <laughs> yeah, they were just drinking too much. Yeah, exactly. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Amy Stewart. She is today sober, but she is the drunken botanist. <laughs> Her book is about the plants that create the world's great drinks. And I know you had to have encountered some amazing or funny or crazy things when you wrote the book. Any stories you want to share? Well, you know, I saw all kinds of crazy things being turned into alcohol. Um, for example, in Africa, they make um, they make beer out of bananas. Mm. So farmers in Uganda um, grow two kinds of bananas. There's one kind that they grow for food, but then there's another kind called beer bananas. Uh, and this homemade, this is a homemade beer. It's pretty low alcohol, and it's usually uh, it's it's cloudy. It's an opaque, uh, you know, cloudy beer. And uh, and farmers figured out that they could rather than make uh, grow the bananas themselves, which you know take a little time to get to market, and you know they can go bad. They can make beer out of it, which lasts a little bit longer than the bananas do on their own, <laughs> and maybe make a little bit more of a profit. So it just shows you how, you know, ingenious people are with uh, 
with the plants that are growing around them. Oh, definitely. Well, you know, I know that you shared a cocktail with us that I'm going to put on my website called the, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, the Mamami Gin and Tonic. Sure. And, and of course, it's an interesting story, which I would love to have you share, but it's also just chock full of vegetables. And if your other life is that of a gardener, what's the first thing that you would urge somebody who's contemplating their first garden? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, you grow the things that you like. If, if you're going to grow cocktail ingredients, grow the things that, you know, you'll actually use. If you're not a fan of cilantro, there's no reason to grow it. Um, and, and you really have to work with your climate. You know, I live in the Pacific Northwest, and I can grow berries really easily. So there's a lot of raspberries in my garden. Um, but if, if that's difficult for you, then, uh, then, then don't fight Mother Nature. Do the things that really work well. Um, but obviously some herbs are the first step, you know, uh, spearmint, um, and, and there are some great spearmints out there. There's one called Mojito Mint, which is actually mm. the mint grown uh, uh, in Havana. So it's, it's actually oh. a Cuban mint variety that is only in the U.S. because a Canadian tourist uh, plucked a sprig out of a mojito in the airport and stuck it in her pocket and flew home with it. And uh, it eventually got released into the nursery trade. That's that. so cool. Although it's also a cautionary tale, isn't it? Because that could happen in a bad way, but I love it. Right, right. It's a little bit of plant smuggling, which, yeah. is, a, which is a no-no. But nonetheless, that's, how it, that's in fact how it got here. <laughs> so, uh, so mojito mint is well worth seeking out. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, some, some fresh basil and cilantro. And as we're getting into summer... You know, tomatoes, I mean, things that you'll otherwise grow for your kitchen garden are also great in drinks. Tomatoes, uh, peppers, you know. And all of those things are in this Mamani gin and tonic. So he is the guy who created or discovered quinine or? Well, he's one of many people who, um, who, who were looking for it. So, uh, and, and he's actually Latin American. He's not a uh, European. So what happened is that there were Europeans crawling all over South America looking for uh, quinine trees because the, the uh, you know, chinchona trees, the bark of the chinchona tree contains quinine, which uh, can be used to treat malaria. So it was highly sought after, and they kept trying to collect seeds so they could start their own plantations, and, and, uh, but they kept getting the wrong variety of tree because it's hard to tell when you're just out in the field doing this. So he is one of the people who was charged with uh, uh, gathering up seeds and smuggling them out of South America, but he was thrown into prison, and he actually died trying to get quinine to the rest of the world. And his seeds did make it, but he did not. Oh, I know. It's a tragic story. And a lot of these botanists do have tragic stories behind them, unfortunately. But, um, you know, uh, we can honor him, right? With a gin and tonic. Uh, (laughs) Well, the book is The Drunken Botanist, The Plants That Create the World's Great Drinks. And it's by Amy Stewart. And she's got a great website. It's amystewart.com. you got to check it out. This will be all of your summer cocktail fun and trivia and information. And thank you so much for joining us, Amy. Really interesting stuff. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. 